Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, we're from Cork, and what's happening in Dublin? Nothing. Don't give it, they don't give a shade about it down here. Go play it for Oh, danger here! Danger here! And the Soviets have equalized! Focus on the game. Don't hide behind your cars or your tattoos or your girlfriends or your agents. Play the game. Be careful the cat. No say the cat is in the sack when you have not the cat in the sack. The great football, the Liam Brady's, the Ronnie Whelan's, the David O'Leary's. This is a great football and country produced players and go out and play that rubbish. Yeah. This week we got to uh, go up to the big smoke to see um, an old coach of mine, Stephen McPhail. Came across as usual, like I always thought, as a really good guy and um, he was an excellent player. He was in that Leeds team that was very successful. Being any team that reaches the Champions League semi-finals, you've got to be a good player. Like so, um, yeah. For for such a great career the guy's had, like such a humble man, and uh, especially the issues he's had to deal with off the pitch as well. Just a testament to the guy and his character and everything like that, and probably giving him a different outlook on life. Even speaking to him that way, and he appreciates things a lot more. And I'm sure cancer affects everyone, so it's getting a bit deep here, but. Listen, a lot of people will relate to this and will see how strong a person he is and if they're going through rough times, can see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm here with Stephen McPhail um, and Larry will be doing sound uh, for our podcast today. We'll be looking back on Stephen's career and the ups and downs. Obviously, Mac, I know you well from uh, our Rovers day. Probably regret signing me at this <laughs> stage. Like, wasted a bit of money on me, but... Uh, I suppose, Maka, when I look back and you, I know you from watching you when I was younger, and it was, for me it was a bit surreal actually meeting you at the time. And I must say, first of all, for anyone that doesn't know Stephen, never met you, possibly one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I remember even after the, during the cup final for me, just coming up and like condoling me basically before, but it meant a lot. But uh, looking back, you started off at Leeds, you went over at 16, was it? Like, 15, yeah, 15. So. Yeah, it's a long time ago, 95, so uh, probably now, looking back, it's probably too young to go, to, to leave home, but uh, yeah, 15, so. What would you what would you say then would be a good age to go over? If you I think you're 15, why were you too young then? I, I just think back then, I think it was the norm. I think now, it's it, obviously, you can't go 15 now, so it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's just mentally and uh, physically probably not ready for it uh, at the time, but... Obviously, leaving your family, all that sort of stuff is, is the most difficult part. Um, but it worked out for me, so listen, I, I settled in really, really well. I probably had a, a tough six months at the start where you're in your room and you're, you're crying and you're missing home and you're, we didn't have mobile phones back then, so it was literally half an hour on the phone every night on a pay phone in the digs. It was... Um, Difficult that way, but after the first six months a year, I just just uh, grew and felt confident that 
that was the right move, really. Do you not think, though, like, you know, when I went over and over, I was yeah. 24. That's too old, I think. Yeah. Um, like, when I went over, I was it was a totally different environment for, like, you look at the 16-year-olds, they're in around the first team all the yeah. time. And then people are saying, oh, you're better off being League of Ireland there and staying and growing senior. But when you go over, it's a totally different environment, like, totally different mentality. And I think it's a lot more cultural. I think lads yeah. are looking out for themselves from day one, where I think Irish players kind of, like, stick yeah. together and always kind of look after each other so do you not think like sometimes you go over 15 but you learn quicker you're ready then for when you do go into the first team where I think you're older you're naive thinking like everyone's on your side they're yeah. not like. I think it's probably a catch isn't it it's trying to get the balance because I probably had the character to deal with a few bits like that mm-hmm. as you said the, there's loads of bullying going on isn't it without you now and yeah. in the dressing room and um but then again, I'd say eight out of ten kids just aren't aren't ready for that uh, at that age. So it's it's difficult. Uh, can you say there's a, a perfect time to go? There's not because it's got to be individualized. I think, and um, I'd be different to you. And uh, I think that's the way it is. I think it's, it's it's all to do with the character of the kid and and can they get into as you said, absolute rootless business in England, Scotland, wherever you go over there. It's uh, everyone's looking over the shoulder all the time and I felt like that I was there for 20, 20 odd years and I always felt there was someone coming to get me every day I walked in the dressing room and every day I turned up a training I felt like I had to be the best every day I turned up so um, a bit different back here but it just worked out for me 15 to go um, leave your mum and dad leave your my girlfriend who's my wife now at the time Heartbreaking, but um, it worked out okay in the end. Uh, you go over and you've George Graham first. It gives you your debut, and obviously he's known for his Arsenal style. And watching you as a player, he like labels you the next Liam Brady. Like that is pressure yeah. straight away. Yeah. But <clears throat> his Arsenal teams would they like the way he played? Were you surprised that he gave you his debut because he was more defensive-minded coach? And I, I see you as a a flair player, I would have said at the time when you broke in, yeah. everyone was saying flair, flair. Yeah, see, George for me was unbelievable. Like I was probably, probably just turned sixteen, and I was trying him. He used to call me over and trying with the first team, and he would always say that I love the left foot, love this. He, he was he was such a great character, but he nailed me in how I had to defend. Like he got me out in the afternoons put me through all sorts of um, defensive drills and, and made me um, realise I just couldn't turn up and be naturally getting the ball and start things off and think that was that was the game. Um, he was brilliant for me. He gave me a whole probably six months of, of drilling me defensively and made me understand how I had to work off the ball and how I had to defend um, as well as get on the ball. So... For him to give me my debut was was as you said it was probably against the way his team played. People would have seen me as you said as someone who likes to get on the football and, and start things off and and, and uh, make things happen. But I was so comfortable because we had such a good sort of relationship off the pitch, and I knew he was hard on me for the right reasons. And um, so to get my debut at Leicester at that time was 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 amazing. You know? So you just kind of like cruel to be kind to you. Exactly, yeah, yeah. When I look back, like at the time, I was thinking, 
he's slaughtering me here. There's no way I'm going to play. Like, <laughs> but it was it was obviously trying to get me in the mindset. Um, Do you think? I I was speaking about this to Larry on the way up. We were speaking about a player, a certain player, and I won't name him. But he said, when you're in training, you should take it as a compliment that people are actually giving out about you because they feel you can do better. Yeah. Where some lads know don't want to be given out to so like basically they're saying he's he actually said it's a compliment because if I'm not giving out to you I expect you to be that bad yeah so like how do you get that balance though as well as the hard thing isn't it it's because I'm a player myself I don't like managers giving yeah. out to me but they're doing it because they believe you obviously can yeah I think it, I think it's the way you do it I think it's uh, it's having as you said the balance of making sure the player feels that you trust them but there's so much more in, in players I see when I go up to training every day. I'm thinking, come on, you, you, you're going through the motions here. Uh, and uh, so that's flip side for me being uh, on the training ground at the moment from being a player. Um, I can see what they were trying to do back then. Like we, I had Paul Art and Eddie Gray as a youth team. Um, and they, they were unbelievable. They, they just rubbed off each other. Great Paul was so disciplined and made sure... He was on you for everything. Any of jobs we had to do around the training ground, if we weren't done, he'd slaughter you. Um, and then Eddie would put his arm around you and, and on the football pitch and say, "Go out and do what you do." Um, so I think uh, I think I moulded as a as a kid in that 15, 16, 17 age bracket of turning from schoolboy football into men's football. So it's so important you have the right environment, the right characters, the right coaches, managers at that stage to to hopefully set everything in stone for you going forward. Like, George Graham, no, you hear stories about his arson sites and they had good bonding sessions with the word I'd use. Did, yeah. did he have that at Leeds? Did he bring that kind of culture into Leeds where he was like, hear about the arson player saying when Wenger came in, he totally changed it, the drink went out the window. Did he have yeah. a Tuesday club? No. Yeah, like we always had Saturday, Tuesday clubs at Leeds. Yeah, twice yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's just the way it was. I think so many characters like in the squad. When I look back, there was when I first went over and got in the reserve team, I played the reserve game when I was fifteen and we had, I had Ian Rush, Carlton Palmer, Thomas Brolin, all these players in the reserves, Leeds were trying to get rid of them at the time, Lee Sharp. So I was always around proper professionals and, and men, so you do get swept up in that. And back then, that was the culture of, of going out and having a team spirit and everyone was out. Was, you don't get away with it if you don't. I was obviously very young, so I didn't go out till till I was 17, 18, when I, when I was in the first team squad on a regular basis. But unbelievable, yeah, just just you learn quite quickly. Would you be left behind if you didn't go out? Like, yeah, you, I th- you, you just feel you? like you were letting people down. And, and that's... You don't want to be letting people down when you're a young kid. It's uh, like we probably went out far too much when you look back, but they, they were the days, and now it's totally different. Yeah, but you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah, we did enjoy it. But like then, like how how do you manage to get in train the next day? Like, would it just be like in your system? If I went drinking now on a Saturday, went out on a month, I went training on a Monday, I'd be terrible. Heap, like, yeah, no yeah. Way. But to be fair, we do like we'd have Wednesday usually off. So oh, yeah, we'd have Wednesday off during the week because we play on a Saturday. So um, that was when you do it. Saturday after a game, we'd we'd always nearly go out all together wherever we were. If we got back late, we'd go out together from the coach and 
I think it was just just the spirit we had at that club was was I think when you're at a club like that, everyone seem outside seems to you feel like everyone hates you, so you just need to be Not the leads, like yeah, yeah, you, and, and that's that's it's a sort of siege mentality and and the the bond we had as a group was unbelievable. Um, even later. Um, when I was 18, 19 and around the first team squad regularly some of the characters we had were, were unbelievable Jason Wilcox uh, David Batty all these people are just really funny characters you know? did they ever like take you under their wing on a Tuesday you know, when you're out going you have to come home drinking with me like. yeah it wasn't so much out drinking it was more just having a crack around the, around the training ground to be very very witty very funny um, Gary Kelly was was unbelievable to me. He was probably four or five years ahead of me. He was someone I always wanted to be because watching him in the '94 World Cup, Irish from Drada, just down the road from where I'm from, and then all of a sudden I'm sharing a room with him in the first team squad. It was surreal, really. Um, he looked after all the, the the Irish boys. Ian Hart was there as well. He was a bit older. They just uh, just made us feel comfortable. Made us feel part of the squad made us feel when I went down the pitch get your chest out and, and, and do what you do it just made you feel comfortable around the place George Graham leaves Dave O'Leary comes in what what changed um, Dave, Dave probably came in and uh, threw nearly all my U team into the first team it was unbelievable <laughs> overnight you know it was, uh, did you think that was forced upon him with the club you know sometimes clubs actually go you need to get some new lads in yeah here. I think some he was he was he was there was pressure from the local press because we had a group that won the, we won the FAU Cup we won the league at Christmas every year we were flying I don't think we'd ever drew a game it was, it was just one of them squads that was strong throughout and um, Harry Keel was the first one to break through and he just Set the place alight. So quality, yeah, it was a joke. He was an absolute joke, and um, so H got in. Elvar okay. Dig- first one, Elvar Diggs to get in, and then I was like, "We need more." And then Any jealousy. Then oh yeah, there, like I like used to wait up for him. Like, yeah, right? I remember waiting up for him. I shared a room with him, and I used to wait up for him when he got back from playing Chelsea or Manu, and just sitting at the end of the bed waiting for him to chat to him what it was like. So it was. Uh, he was the first one in, and then, lucky enough, within 12 months, there was probably six or seven of us that, that made our debuts, and, and then we felt that we were in around the squad. But Dave was the one who, who made that happen, really. Do you ever feel, though, at the time then, as a young lad, that some of the senior players probably were like, hold on a sec, these fellas are coming in, and you, they mightn't have helped you as much as they could. They're coming in to take our spot, because... I would know as a senior player, I know it's happened. Like yeah. when you see a lot of young lads coming in, you go, There's a change of environment here, we're gonna be shifted out the door yeah. or like yeah. you know, that kind of way. I remember getting smashed around the train and by all the boys, that's <laughs> that yeah, David Bat used to just just do it as a normal occasion, but <laughs> yeah. you know he was letting you know that he was he was the man and, and we all knew he was, but there was there was but I, t- I think as you soon as you got across the white line and trying and we just we probably were quite a cocky bunch together like you know as a as a youth team we probably just fancied that we could we could play and then we enjoyed being around each other because we lived with each other um, mm. we used to live in the training ground so we all uh, 20 out of us living in the same digs every day so 
we probably went around as a bit of a mob anyway so it yeah. was, uh, when we got in the first team we sort of felt Right, we're together, right? Still, so still together. Was it a click, do you think, that there was uh, a in the dressing room there? Oh, uh, yeah, just, I just think it was really, really tight, like, you know, really. Uh, Harry was come from uh, Australia. Uh, you had, as you said, Woodgate, who was from Middlesbrough down the road, but he came and lived with us. So we, we were all just under the one roof. We, uh, only probably Alan Smith, who lived in Leeds, he was the only one that, was, that could come in from home every day, but... Um, we were just so tight. Everything we done, we done together. Like the whole squad, it was, it was never, it was never. You felt on your own at all during my time at Leeds, which I think, which made the success really early, really quick, and really rapid because we were competing to win the Premier League within within a year of getting into it. Really, you know. So much times you thought Leeds were going to do it, and they never did. Yeah. Like, is there a reason? Like, I mean. You made you some great runs in Europe. I mean, yeah. the semi-final of the UEFA Cup, then the next year the semi-final of the Champions League. Mm. But it just never got over that finish. Why is that? Like, I yeah, mean, I you probably, like you said, you had a lot of young players mm. and a lot of good players. Like, I mean, you brought in like the lights of Ford and then and then it started kicking to yeah. a new level. And you think they're eventually going to do something, but what what, what was it? What yeah, I just kept you I, back. Like, I just think the obviously the two teams we were up against, uh, Man United and Arsenal were incredible teams, probably the best in the Premier history, like, you know, so it was it was difficult to get over the line. I remember we went top of the league in uh December and whatever it was whoever was top of the league in New Year's Day was always winning the league and we done it and we were thinking, right, this is us and then the probably the pressure just of trying to get over the line and try and mm. keep that right up to the debt. And you know what it's like over there at Christmas time. The games just come every day, and we were rolling. We beat Chelsea away. And we were thinking, "This is us. We're going to do it this year." And then we would just we'd, we'd have a big game against Man United away and get beat two one. And Arsenal would come to Ellen Road and beat us. And there were just big moments that we just couldn't get over the line with. Um, and well, that, that, that's the difference. That's then. the difference. What kind um, of stuff would they be saying? Because as a manager. If you can't get over the line, you gotta look to him. Then you gotta yeah. say you gotta be. Yeah. What do we do here? Because it's not working. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult because he he made a. It really happened overnight. George Graham came to save the club from relegation. So within a year, we were challenging. I think I think we finished in the five years. I think we finished in the top three in the five years or top four in the in five years. So it was it's incredible swift uh, swift change around. So the mindset. Probably just got people got carried away, like as well. Like yeah. if this is this is gonna happen every year, and obviously we the demise then was really quick because we missed out. I think it was uh, Liverpool pipped us by a point, our goal difference to get that Champions League spot. There was only three up for grabs at that stage, and then it all sort of untangled. Then, but it was uh, yeah, we just nearly all the time getting there. But that's 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 the difference, isn't it? Like you, you're on about that team togetherness. Like you all shaved your head. Yeah. What? Like who came up with the idea? I, I and surely it was reading Ian Hart decided not to shave his head for his wedding. He was getting so wedding. Yeah, yeah. You got stick for that. Just bullied him. Yeah, there, you got like. bullied. Yeah, he always gets bullied. Fair. <laughs> um, now we, yeah, just we. I think we're away. We were away at Arsenal. Uh, we were away at Arsenal, um, and then we were going onto a Champions League game from London then to play on a Tuesday 
We just had so much time on our hands all the time. We were, we were doing that for quite a while where we, we had four or five days together and we just got someone just got bored and we all stayed, yeah, just happened in a, in a room one night, got, got all uh, the head shaved off and uh, yeah, it was just something that naturally Did just Did you happened. have to ask permission though? No, no, no. It, it wasn't. <laughs> Did you get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> Probably got in trouble but keep that one quiet. No, it was just, yeah, it was just part of the group and the bonding and as you said being around each other all the time you, you meant the bond with those lads like the kind of the word or the impression out there is that O'Leary eventually lost that dressing room is that unfair do you think or? Uh, I think probably did to a certain extent that he changed like he changed a lot in the squad really as you said they're bringing in some names and names and names and probably forgot what a lot of lads had done from previously a bit a bit um Listen, he was great for me. I don't want to sit here in Bad Mountain, but he probably lost lost it quite quick in terms of that of not respecting what some of the lads done years previous and, and just rolled with bigger names, bigger things, just sort of kept coming in the door. But that, that's the price I think you pay for success, isn't it? It's trying to keep the balance of keeping it real, um, knowing what sort of dress room you're in and the characters. To be fair, he always brought good characters in. Um, I can't remember a bad lad we had in the dressing room, but maybe just the whole success. Money, yeah, like, just sort of. I've done. I've got you this far. Yeah, yeah. You're just saying, right? Maybe bringing the next level. Yeah, like. maybe. And that's. I don't know. Listen, I, I was in the dressing room then. I think probably the older boys would probably be better to talk about then because as a young yeah. lad, you're just I'm just thinking about the next game or the next session. So. Uh, yeah, probably did upset a few people, but I didn't feel that way in his restaurant, really. Peter Ridd's there. I've met him uh, a few times. Need to get on. Need to ask you two stories about him. Um, oh, yeah. I dealt with him with Preston, and I, I'd probably believe him. No, yeah. Someone told me about him buying a goldfish for something like 30 grand when <laughs> it was a very cheap goldfish. <laughs> is this true? Like, as I'm thinking... No, I haven't, I haven't he heard be, that. Like, like, if someone said to me, no, Dad... Fellow went into his office, told him it's an exotic goldfish, <laughs> like a crew well off the mark, and but he ended up paying 30 grand for a fish worth about 400 quid or something. Like, a fish is worth 400 quid unless you're going to eat it, it's beyond me anyway. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. Now, honestly, I haven't, I haven't heard that one at all. Obviously, Lowe's going around about Peter, but every. I really like Peter. I think he's uh, he obviously took a lot. That's because he gave you a lot of wages. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked after me everywhere I went. To be fair, now he was uh, he's just a, obviously he took a lot of stick, and he was the he was the face for it all when it sort of collapsed. He, he stood up and he was the one taking the flack. So, but he done so much good for that club, and obviously now still doing it at Preston. Um, he's obviously a real football man. I spoke to him, and we saw Graham Burke. Uh, and dealt with him then he was brilliant absolutely spot on always honest and uh, yeah I suppose he just took a lot of flack for uh, Seth Johnson Seth yeah Seth, Seth's a good, good story no, like, uh, like was, he was in the dressing room with you wasn't yeah, he yeah I like Seth yeah. Did, did that story come out at the time or was it like I mean if I'm a player and I'm going in with a figure in my mind and I'm getting I know I've read that he didn't actually go in you're thinking yeah. whoa well, like I'm like, why wasn't he that lenient when my age <laughs> went in? Like, <laughs> yeah. he's obviously learned from the mistakes and become a yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a club businessman now. Um, no, I think listen, Seth. Seth was a, a great character and he was flying at the time. 
um, I played against him at that stage. And, and he made his England debut, but then. yeah, he just he just around that time, and he did play for England, and he was probably one of the best midfielders in the country at the time. So um, when he tells a story, it's funny. Uh, we got quite close with Seth over the years, and he's a uh, it is a funny story. But yeah, that, I think that was that was probably the club at the time, probably getting a bit caught up in in being at the top, but because it happened so quick. Felt like we had to act like we were at the top. It does though because you you kind of feel you you need to be competing against yeah, like yeah, the likes exactly. of United going listen they're paying this we we can pay it like we have to be I think showing it, people that because obviously players yeah. you talk you'd ring up your friends and go it's worth coming here listen to them because if someone comes in and offers you terrible money and your friend rings you going they're ringing me going don't even bother showing up to me waste time mm-hmm. yeah see like I was told totally different I think today's players different. Than I was, we never spoke about contracts to each other ever. I never, I can't remember ever being in a dressing room and listening to he's on this, he's on that. Just I don't know if that happens now and in the dressing rooms here, but we it was just never, never happened with us, you know. I heard but, then Dominic Mario. I was listening to him and he said he was hearing like ye, these younger players giving out that they weren't on and like one fella he said, oh he's on eight grand and he said I'd go out and get him. Like catch him because he said like he was a young fella claiming he's an eight grand never played a game. Right. Like, but that's, but that's yeah. When I'm in it, I was never, never ever come across it. I never heard anything about that. Like, Seth did in years gone gone on told the story and yeah. and because it's a good story. Yeah, it's a great story, <laughs> isn't it? It's just, it's a, it's one to be told, but it's not a. It was just never like that. It was never he's on this, so I want that. Was, we were never brought up that way, and never. Dom, Dom, obviously was an older pro coming into our dressing room from Liverpool or something like that. You might have come across it. A manager might have pulled him in and said, listen, this is happening. Can you sort that out? I don't know the facts of that one. But, yeah, just the mindset of the club probably changed because, as you said, I think you nailed it, saying we were top up competing with the the top two or three every year, so we had to do what they were doing. Mm. Um, Obviously, you mentioned Eddie Gray was like your... UT manager, yeah. and then he was the manager. Was there when Leeds got relegated? Yeah. How, yeah. like, you were in that squad. What happened that it literally just went that quick? That it just went all of a sudden challenging for Leeds to go and out. But then it must have hurt you a lot more personally when yeah. it was obviously Eddie was the manager at the time as yeah. well. Yeah, it was heartbreaking because we had a season where every we were losing everyone. The we had to defer our wages. And the year before we were flying, so it was literally overnight. Things were just like laundry lay, everything was was gone, and it was just heartbreaking because we we were there, as you said, since I was there since I was fifteen. People that were were there oh, for years were, the were letting go, and yeah, and it's just <clears throat> heartbreaking because they looked after us in our digs because we were all lived in the training ground. So Eddie stepped up as caretaker and um, had a a job that was probably impossible the morale of the whole club was on its knees and uh, do you think lads are just looking to get out at yeah stage, at that, sta- at that stage is, there's only one way this is going like yeah we were told you know <clears throat> we were told that's that's this is this is what's happening we're coming in firefighting we're getting we need to slash everything we need so there was only one way that was going to go in terms of the football on the pitch because you know yourself you're in a dressing room and are in a club and the environment's not right or something's 
eating away at shells on the pitch. So that, that that that's what happened that year. We we done our best. We brought it down to the last day. I remember thinking we've always had a chance because the group of players we still had a lot of young lads uh, who would have been so passionate about the club because we were there since we were kids. Um, but it just wasn't meant to be. We got beat at Bolton and it was. Uh, one of the worst feelings I've ever had uh, on a football pitch. The fans were unbelievable. Came stormed the pitch. I remember just being caught up in uh, the emotion of it. It was just, uh, yeah, terrible, terrible. It should never have happened. Really. Mm. And Venables was there before Gray. What kind of manager was he? Like considering mm. he managed England and everything, was it just? Did it come to a point with him where he just said, I've had enough as well? Like, Could you yeah. tell, sometimes a manager comes into a club and he's full of beans, he doesn't realise what's actually going on exactly. around him and then it just, and then if the manager's down every day, does it just kick in? Yeah, yeah, it was exactly what you said. I think he came in and was breath of fresh air for a bit. I love training with him. I love, so tactical, our sessions before games, it was always, I learned so much in the, around him. He was one of the best managers I've ever played for. Um and then, as you said, I'd say he just thought all of a sudden got into board meetings and then realised yeah. what's going on here. I can't just, yeah, just couldn't, I surely couldn't have dealt with it. Uh, the problems that he probably never seen before he, before he took over, which is a shame because he's an unbelievable manager. So Leeds go and you go to Barnsley. You, I know you had a few loan moves in between. Yeah. Um, was Paul Hart the Barnsley manager? Yeah, he was when I first went there. Yeah, when he, you went and loaned the Forest, Forest so you yeah. kind of knew what you were yeah. getting into. Would that be because Barnsley League won at the time? Yeah, you couldn't like. Obviously, I would think at my stage with your talent, I would think I'm better than League One. So did he have? A yeah, big he did. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a few options to go. Uh, to the championship and stuff but I just felt I needed to get under him again and just start trying to so good about him. he's just amazing amazing man like one of the he's so hard to describe just everything about him um, since since I went over at 15 um, I just ate his words I just I think he connect with someone um, on a football side of things and off the pitch Disciplinarian, as I said, would hammer you at the right time, would give you a hug and tell you you're the best at the right time. So I just, I just felt I needed that to get going again and to get under under him and try and enjoy my football again because I lost loads of respect probably for for the game because um, of what happened at Leeds and the way it went and. I was fighting the world in my own head. Respect know? for the game or respect for like just. Leads because they've just gone from like promising you everything to just it just went then you know what yeah. I mean sometimes like I can understand someone saying I've lost I don't understand respect for the game would you say love for the game yeah love more, more I don't mean I don't disrespect the game because you can never do that but just that at that time I felt I was still young and I was fighting the world like I, I never I never looked at myself more than I used to look the other way. I think a lot of kids do, don't they? They, yeah. they don't point the finger at themselves. So, um, looking back now, I wish I just was a bit more experienced to say, "Listen, you need to start working again. You need to start getting your head down. You need to start living properly. You need to 
Well, did, did all you that not sort do of stuff. That? No, 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 not, not when I look back. Barnsley you know. would suggest to me you wore because a person who was blaming everyone else would have taken, no disrespect to Barnsley, a bigger club and go, I'm, I'm better than this. But I think by going to Barnsley, you're saying to yourself, I'm, I'm going to Yeah, I had to do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, yeah. I sort of, I had to make that decision. But the year before or the year leading up to that, probably just not, I wasn't at it in my head. And it's just, uh, I wasn't as fit as I should have been. All that sort of stuff was playing on my mind. And I knew I had to get, I needed to make a big change. And it was a massive decision because it could have went pear-shaped really dropping down the league especially the way I played um, you know it's like it's difficult um, I had to scrap I had to fight to try and get in games and try and get hold of the ball so I loved it I loved every minute going to Barnes he actually gave me so much more hunger and I think the my character was sort of nailed on from then on uh, going forward for the rest of my career yeah. So do you think that year previous to Barnsley really affected your career? Because I look at you and I go, I'm shocked that I've seen 10 Irish caps. And I was mm. like, jeez, I thought he would have got a lot more. Yeah. And then I'm reading, like, you know, Stephen Jarr gives you a post saying, like, best luck in your retirement. Mm. I mean, he doesn't go out of his way for an average player. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, I'm looking at you and saying, for a player who was so quality, do you think you could have done more? Like, um, Yeah, like, I, just, I think... Every player, when they finish, think they could do more. I think it's uh, just looking back, things went did go against me, but I probably wasn't, I probably didn't nail myself at the right times. Massive moments in my career where I should have just got my head down. And, and as I said, that year or two before going, making that decision to go to Barnsley, looking back, I was probably flaky at the time, you know, mentally. And, um, yeah, it just frustrates me when looking back. But listen, that's I was lucky enough to play in a lot of big games and stuff, so I try and get over it with that. You know, would it would the ten caps have as much to do with sort of Irish football's slight suspicion of the no, the flair midfielder uh, through some of that time kind of thing? No, not really. I don't think I don't uh, I don't hold that as something that annoys me. No, I, I think it's. As I said, just around the wrong time, and in terms of the players, Roy and all them that I used to sit in the bench and watch, and never get on. But uh, it was difficult. Uh, I could never complain. Like I could never say, Geez, they're bad. I should be playing." Like there's top players at the top of the game in the world. So it was a uh, timing. Maybe I might have got a few more caps if it was a bit later on. But um, no, I don't. I don't no excuses from me no it's uh, just would love to have more but still appreciate what, what I've had as well you mentioned Roy there kind of character is he yeah I love Roy like I didn't have any issues with Roy when I trained and played in a few of my caps with him in midfield I really enjoyed it. he was always straight with me I had loads of battles with him on the pitch as well we used to uh, some some good uh, tackles and get up and look at each other and yeah it was good I, I, I never had a problem with Roy I think he's as you said he's unusual now from being down that neck of the woods he's an unbelievable player and character isn't he you know so. why, why, why do you think like people get wound up by him so what is yeah, it like? I don't know. did you see any players you don't have to mention names or anything but that you saw with the Irish team going oh he can't handle Roy He's different breed, no to Roy. Roy needs to stay away from him. Yeah, like. I think there's obviously you know different characters that 
take things quite personal, don't they? In in dressing rooms and are a bit, I don't know, I wouldn't say soft, but uh, uh, you, you know, someone can get under their skin in the dressing room. You ha- you have them, but listen, I've been in so many dressing rooms and just got used to the the banter and the, the sort of that bullying type of feel to it. So mm. it's, I think, uh, a lot of it rubbed off way back when Anton was said to me I just sort of yeah sort of put it to one side and get on with it so I can see how he can get get at people because he's so he's so demanding he's so uh, but all the best players are when you're like going to Barnes he saw you're dropping two divisions was there ever a point you go what did I give myself in for here like you go uh, from playing United away to playing like some one of my old clubs Rochdale they yeah. might have been in there like that's some drop yeah, no, I was <laughs> in terms of opposition, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not like. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I embraced it. I loved it. I think it was being around Paul again, and just the way he plays football, his his vision of the game, everything, uh, everything was coming back to me. What it was like being back in the U team again. Um, and Do you think? I, yeah, I had a like great year. Yeah. When you're young, you like football more. I think because. It's not a job. Yeah, yeah. When you get older and pressure, pressure, comes, pressure it's a job. Yeah, then yeah. and you start thinking, I have to support my family. Yeah. So he brought that back. Back to me. Yeah, it yeah. actually was like, I just want to enjoy football again. Like, exactly, exactly, and that's how it was. And I just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the sessions. I couldn't get off the training ground. I was staying um, in the afternoons with a lot of young lads and doing stuff. And yeah, it just brought that freshness back. I was getting fitter and fitter, playing every second day. I was getting back to the levels where I was three or four years previous where I felt invincible on, on the pitch in terms of fitness and um, strength and stuff so uh, all that sort of came back overnight and yeah I loved it I loved it um, we ended up beating Swansea in the playoff final in the millennium it was my last game for for, uh, for Barnsley so it was it was, a, it was a great feeling, unbelievable feeling. All my family were over from, from Dublin with uh, 30 or 40 people there. Millennium Stadium winning a final. It was a great feeling to, to, to get back, getting the buzz for the game again. You mentioned that final. Uh, I only just found out a piece this morning about you. You missed Cardiff the night before. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> so bad. Your head was fully on the game. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How does that, like... Yeah, I know, yeah. How, did, like, how does that meeting come about, like... Yeah, it was... It was Probably leading up to the to the playoffs, I think I don't know who we beat. Might be wrong, but I'm nearly sure it was Huddersfield in the semi final. Um, and Dave Jones was the manager at Cardiff at the time, and um, he got in contact. I was up. I'd not. I'd know my contract was up. Uh, Barnsley did offer me a really good deal leading up to it. Um, I got Player of the Year, so I was feeling a bit under pressure before that final to to sign for Barnsley but I just knew I needed a change from the area you know I was living in Leeds since I was 15 um, and my wife was pregnant um, I just wanted to get away I just wanted a fresh start and try and uh, look look elsewhere and it, it was no disrespect to Barnsley because they were brilliant but it was that week leading up to the final Dave rang me a few times obviously Cardiff I was travelling down a couple of days before to prepare for the game and uh, he asked my agent can we, can, we, can we meet up so I wasn't comfortable doing it but I knew I needed to get in a room with him to see because mm. I, I needed to be a quick decision um, at, at, after the final so 
I did. I went the night before, uh, and I look back like terrible thing to oh, do. Done, and, you know, yeah, yeah. No, I'm done. But yeah, so. a game the next day. Well, I spent an hour with Dave, and he just told me his plans for the club. And uh, yeah, he sold the club to me. Sold, sold me to the club, and yeah, I made my decision quite quick coming out of that realm. Really. Did that give you like less pressure on the final next day because? In mm. one sense, you'd like, oh, good send-off. But in another sense, you're like, either way, I'm out of here. Like, for uh, me, you're like, you know, at yeah. some stage, you do have to look after yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. About that and you go, either way, I'm out of here tomorrow. Yeah. But to be honest, I was so wrapped up because I was, I was so wrapped up and playing well. And, and Swansea were flying at that stage and really good players. And I was, I was just thinking, as you know, you just vision the night before going to bed. Of, of how you're going to play and all that sort of stuff so I didn't really take I didn't overthink it uh, I did know it was my last game I must admit but I wanted to make sure I won the game I felt like the group that was involved in was tight it felt special and I was leading that because I was um, yeah I was captain at, at stages in the season and I just wanted to make sure I sent off on the right note and played well you know that was all in my head going to bed anyway. Did you get your own rooms the night before because like you would have had to get your roommate to cover for you? No, no, it was I actually snuck off after the The meal. Uh, uh, yeah, after the meal. Just it was, a walk. Yeah, just went for a walk. <laughs> I went for a walk. Yeah. And uh yeah, that was it. I never told anyone. Yeah, so it was um casual walk after dinner it was the easy way out. Like, did you decide there and then that night that like that's it? I'm done. Did you ring your wife? And no, I didn't. Or? I didn't. I didn't speak to the wife about. It. I just, I just knew in my head it was a right meal for me, if that makes sense. After, like they were, they were just, they were just so good and how they presented to me and mm. and, and how the club was going to look in three or four years and I was going to be a part of that. So Dave was was brilliant. Dave Jones. Was, uh, yeah, it just sold the club to me, really. Did you, did you feel like that you went to Barnsley to kind of get your love back for football, build up your career, and then you were like, right, I'm ready to go back now? Yeah. That kind of way with that Cardiff, and they were just like, they're ready for, I'm ready for this. Yeah, like, yeah I'm ready to, I was ready to leave Barnsley and start and grab a club again and, and uh, get in a dressing room and try to make things happen, which is... Mm. Um, that was always in my mind going to Cardiff. That was a special area. I think if anyone's been there, it's it's a bit like home here. It's yeah. people are great, so tight. They're uh, so just love that club. It's just incredible uh, fan base. One one club, one city, huge city. So uh, yeah, I went down, visited probably two or three days after the final when all the celebrations settled down and. Um, and yeah, I just knew straight away this is a place for me. I loved it. You've obviously you had success at Cardiff. You managed to captain them in the FA Cup final. What what's the build up to that like? Because yeah, the FA Cup for me has changed the last couple of years, but at that stage, at that stage, that was huge. It's a huge. Like I probably like yourself. Remember growing up and FA Cup final days. You're up watching TV at nine o'clock, watching the the two teams come out of the hotel mm. all that sort of stuff so to get a chance to experience that and the the week mate, it was probably the month leading up to it um, it's so so intense and uh, everything's on the, the whole week is media week leading up to it 
it's constant, constant uh, suits, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's amazing to get a chance to lead a club out of that size and such a big game was special. It goes so quick though, you know, the day sort of I got flashbacks of on the coach, um Dave Jones done what we done, the video, um and that was good. That was yeah, so that does know yeah. the day of the cup final with Rovers they like didn't tell any of the players but they got all our family to just like record a video of each player which is I thought was unbelievable. Yeah, that's from fair. Dave, yeah, I got that like I said at the the gaffer about what happened with us in the final, he thought brilliant, we'll, we'll do that for Ireland. I think it was it was unbelievable. We were like so we left central London to go to Wembley, got on the bus, really everyone up tense, everyone's wanting to get there, you're stuck in traffic an hour and a half it was, it was what it was going to be even though we had you have an escort and then all of a sudden on the, the screens on the bus the families popped up and it was half an hour of just takes this mm. takes that sort of pressure you just see uh, Michelle and the kids just there talking and how proud they are and then all of a sudden you can't wait to get on the pitch so it was emotional yeah emotional emotional and then coming up Wembley Way you see thousands and thousands of people so I have flashbacks of things like that um, the game sort of I don't it just sort of comes and goes you know I do remember the feeling at the end when because I just picture myself going up them steps to try and pick it up but um, that's a heartbreaking side mm. of things to lose in the final but yeah special special day if you could ever you could never uh, so imagine your captain yeah yeah you, yeah, you feel like that the, yeah yeah like. yeah that would have been really really special but like, listen growing up and you get a chance to captain a team in the FA Cup final bite your hand off so it was great not many, not many Irish lads have done that like are six or seven maybe yeah ever, I don't, ever, I don't know so. I don't I honestly don't know but yeah it's uh no, it was a great day it was great great uh yeah great lead up to it it's a special special game obviously I've I remember watching it at the time and uh he's been prone to a few mistakes but surely like Oh yeah he's <laughs> got, he got it off me in the dressing time. room like <laughs> if a fella makes a mistake in a normal league game you're kind of like all right all right yeah a cup final Peter Enkelman yeah, come yeah. on like yeah no, how no. much chances does this guy get <laughs> <laughs> I know he just I think the year or two before wasn't it Villa he let that ball go through his leg uh, under his foot wasn't it um, yeah, it's difficult. We let him know. I remember. I remember. Oh, gee, oh yeah, yeah. I remember that night we went into town and we had a few drinks, obviously. And I remember giving him a bit uh, in jest, obviously, because you don't want to kill him too much. But yeah, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> Wait to lose it. When I, if I make a mistake in the game, I'm like, oh my god. But I, before that, to be yeah. honest, ah, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. terrible. And that's the thing crap, with keepers, like, isn't it? It's so much spotlight yeah. on the keeper, isn't it? You know? And then you had the League Cup final, but you weren't involved in that. No, way, yeah. I, I played um, I played all the games. I captained the four games before leading up to that, and then I got ill, so I had to go to I had to go to America to get some treatment. And I came back ten days before the final, and I trained, and I wasn't right. So uh, on the, the Monday before the final, Malcolm McCoy called me in and said, "How are you feeling? You ready to go?" And I, I told him I wasn't. I wasn't fit to play, so big decision. But I probably could have played, but I wasn't at my best, so I needed to make the right call for the team. Really, you know. It's show grand syndrome, yeah, is it? Like, how how does your life just switch when you get news like that? Bro? Yeah, it was strange, really, because 
the year I got, got ill, I was 29 and I was flying. I played 56 games I started that year. Um, it was the fittest I've ever been. Um, not missed a minute the whole season nearly. And all of a sudden I found a lump just under me under my jawline, you know, and uh, it was only small, tiny like a pea, and I said it to the doc, and it, it was sort of him and on, and oh, I think it's just an infection, I had antibiotics, never cleared, never went away, it didn't, it wasn't sore, so it didn't, wasn't too bothered, so he brought me to see a specialist, and uh, we had an international break coming up, so he said, we have a two-week break, I'll take it out, you know, just no harm, just you won't miss a game, you won't miss too much training, you might miss a week's training, but you'll be fine for the next game. So we took it out, uh, and yeah, I, I didn't miss a game, but they did tell me when I came out of recovery that it was a lot bigger, it was grown, it was right. back going the opposite way, so that's why you couldn't feel it, but nothing to be worried about, stitched me back up, played, played away, and then probably about two, three weeks later I had a follow-up appointment and they told me it was a lymphoma so sort of yeah the whole world sort of stops then in in the in the meeting room but honestly I just sort of just asked what do I need to do how do I how what what treatment do I need let's do it let's crack on and so I had my treatment and lucky enough I got sent back home Cardiff are brilliant they sent me back home for me treatment in the matter and let me be around the family. So I had like six six weeks, eight weeks back home, having gone for me treatment every day. Um, and I was actually training uh, with Tony McCarthy at the time just to keep fit through it as well. So it was ironic that Macca's here at, at Rover. So yeah, no, listen, it was a tough time, but I just I was so determined that it was not going to stop me, that I wanted to be back in the pitch as quick as possible. And, did you feel that when you went back into the dressing room, lads treated you different? Uh, not so much. I, I went back. I went back in the middle of my treatment, just to, to watch a game and say hello, just for a weekend before I knew. Because I knew the longer I get, I get, I wouldn't be too well. So the yeah. first, first four or five weeks, I was fine. I didn't feel any different. But then towards the end of the treatment, I was getting, getting Ill, uh, quite ill. But. Um, Obviously, people just rooting for you, messages, all the fans, the players were, were unbelievable. The fans sung my name every game. It was just things, little things just keep you going. And even though you're not there, you felt like you were you were watching results. Soccer Saturday, I was watching, how, how are they getting on? I was uh, ringing the lads after. So you do feel a part of it, and they were unbelievable. I mean, the whole club was was, was scarily good. Um and yeah, I just wanted to get back in the pitch, so I was lucky enough. Within, I think it was four months, I was back playing, so I was feel quite blessed that it sort of passed. Yeah. And, and uh, obviously now I've, I learned at the time I, ha- I had an autoimmune disease that I still have. That's uh, I don't have; it's, it's incurable, but something I have to live with every day. So um, I can deal with that now. I'm totally on track with it all I don't have ups and downs as you know so I was uh, just trying to stay on top of it now as best I can and just uh, uh, one you, you got to crack on with were, uh, were they related Stephen the, the yeah, Sjogren syndrome yeah. to the lymphoma yeah the lymphoma I had was related to the the syndrome at the time but they did 
it takes quite a long time to diagnose the the autoimmune disease because they need to go through the mm. process. So um, yeah, they are linked, and and that's how I found out really. So I had quite a number of years after the lymphoma where it was breaking down all the time getting sick and then I'd bounce back and play and then I'd break down again so they were trying to figure it all out it was quite complicated um, until I went to LA and I, I met the top surgeon in in that field and he put me on a, on a bit of treatment that I still have today so it was, uh, it was I was lucky enough to get to uh, yeah it was true it was a mad story it was, it was true Venus Williams the, the tennis yeah, player yeah 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 so she, I read at the time that she had this, the, the same uh, autoimmune disease so I just said to my agent or my agent said we'll try and get in contact with her you know see what she's doing she's playing she's seems to be living yeah. an athlete's life like so let's see what she's doing so he did he got in contact with her agent and one day she rang the house, my house in Cardiff, and I spoke to her for two and a half hours on the phone. Really? Yeah, she was unbelievable, unreal, like it was surreal. I just sat there in the in the kitchen, speaking to uh, Venus Williams about everything and everything. Yeah, so it was. Uh, How long at the time had she known? She just been diagnosed as well oh, okay. within within a year and a half or something. So she was going through it. So she just had little tips on diet and stuff, and um, she spoke to her. She she liked. She said she used to love drinking pints of Guinness. I was like, <laughs> all right. She, she said I had to cut cut the amount of pints of Guinness, there but go, we were laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she was brilliant. She was absolutely like top drawer. Just so honest. Uh, stayed in contact with her a bit. Um, obviously, a huge superstar. So I wasn't annoying her, but it was a. Uh, no, it was great to be able to pick someone's brains that was in my position um, as an athlete trying to trying to live with something like that. So yeah, it was it helped a lot. Like we we mentioned about, could you have had more caps? Like, I mean, obviously that's a factor as well. Yeah. Those does. Ah, listen, yeah, yeah, I listen. Yeah, was, was there a Stephen McPhail before and after that was slightly different, or or did you get back to? No, no, no. To be honest, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't get back to. I played probably a hundred games in my career after that from Torty. So. Mm. Um, no, I didn't. I never felt bang at it all the time, or I, I would be for a certain amount of time. Then I'd break down again. So uh, yeah, it was bang in me prime, which is frustrating. It would have been a bit later. You would have mm. took it, but yeah, listen, it's. I'm just happy to be still here, and because uh, when you're going through the treatment and you're sat beside kids that are sick and ill, and it just gives you a whole perspective of what's going on and and uh yeah it's heartbreaking seeing seeing the, the treatment centers and, and where you have to be for that time uh and people that are really really struggling you know and you had your own first child probably at that stage i did that, well, i just had my second child months before i found out i had the lump so i don't know how my wife uh cope she was a huge rock she's Amazing how how I got she got through it. Um, I always looked to her more than myself then because she's uh yeah you just go into oh don't drive and just crack on through it you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, did you like do you know that Venus Williams? No, did you feel like at the time surely something must have went in your head? I'll have to finish soccer. Did she ever like go? If I can do this, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, that. she did. She talked about that. She spoke about. Uh, trying to keep it real trying 
not give up. It was, that was a huge part of her, her, her talk to me because I had times where I thought, I can't get out of bed here. And if they go training, I've just felt fatigued, giant ache. And she was telling me the exact same story. Yeah. So I was like, thank God someone is was going through that I'd no one to speak to about. So, and she told me, just go and see this specialist. You need to go and see him. I'll, I'll book it, I'll do it. And within three days, she did all she'd done it. Yeah, Jeez. she'd done it. So I went, I was over there. She gave me his name, gave me, set up the appointment. Um, and I spent four days with him. And he just said, this is the treatment I need. You'll be fine. And it did, it, it helps me all the time to recover now when I have a flare up or, um, so yeah, she just, her chat was really, don't give, don't, don't mm. lie down to this. You'll be fine. Try this, try that, you know? So it was, yeah, she was really, really positive of, of trying to keep a normal life as, as best she can. Back to your uh, Cardiff days, uh, you probably played with uh, some good players, but one player that'll probably stand out to a lot of players now is Aaron Ramsey. Mm. What was what was he like coming through? Because he was linked with everything and United before Arsenal. Yeah. Did you just think this this kid's special? Ah, yeah, he's he was unbelievable. He trained with us when he was fifteen, and you just knew he was going to be a star. Um, you had that sort of shyness, quiet type character off the pitch, but as soon as he stepped on the pitch, it was just like, give me the ball. So laid back, um, so confident, so uh, just just ready for, for football life. Anything that was thrown at him at a young age, he was fine and dealt with, and you knew he was going to be a star. Um, he was coming into your position. Yeah, he was coming into my <laughs> position. And uh, yeah, he only got his debut, to be fair. He'd he tell you that when I got suspended in the FA Cup, I missed the FA Cup game. And he started and scored. And I thought, here we oh, go. No. I'm not going to get back in. But yeah, so it was, uh, he owes me one for starting him off, I suppose. No, he was a great, he's a great lad as well. He was so down to earth, real uh, Welsh speaker as well. Kept his, his heritage and his roots. He loved everything about Cardiff as well, playing for Cardiff, being, being from the area. When you play with good players, you know they, they can handle themselves in any situation on the pitches. And he, he had that, and I knew, I knew we wouldn't, he wouldn't be with us too long. Um, mm. And obviously he wasn't. He, he, I think he might have only played 30 games for Cardiff, maybe less. And all the scouts were at every game. We, we all knew that it was all speculation in the papers. And obviously went to met Man U, met Arsenal, and, and he, he went to Arsenal, and, and he's still going today. Obviously, big clubs. We touched with there. Now your international career. You made your debut against Scotland on the Mick McCarthy. I've I've actually met Mick myself. I thought great guy to yeah. be around, like great personality. What kind of environment did he create when you were in the Irish team? He was brilliant. He he was spot on at everything he'd done, Mick. He was a great man manager, but he he pulled the group together great. Like we'd have great bonding sessions uh, out and about and he, he just understood it. He just just understood Bonding's drinking. Yeah, bonding yeah. drinking <laughs> drinking nothing much more to that. Is <laughs> but he, he would even the, the young VL games and stuff, the, yeah. the banter, the making lads sing, all that he brought just brought a real uh, le- proper leader without being any yeah just just normal just a normal man who, who treated everyone properly I think you know and uh, so much respect for Mick um, even now and I mean he's just he's just proper proper bloke and 
you can see how, how well he does and every job he goes into. Because like I can imagine going away international duty, it must be tedious, like just oh. sitting in a hotel. Like, yeah. did you actually enjoy it? Because I think some players like I like played what was it twenty trees like league yeah. ball and thing, which is nothing really. It's yeah. crap. It was like five days away and I was like I hate every minute of this yeah, it's, it's not it's like, <laughs> like do, do international players ever complain and go this is terrible like. yeah, yeah I think I think it's the environment you're in like we, we, we used to do all sorts we used to even going out golfing and stuff we all went out together and made it a competition and just stuff as you said you can get sitting around and be bored but we never seemed to do that we, a lot of us would have grown up playing playing as well, uh, like so Richie and Robbie and all my age, so we were all quite close in that sense that we, we knew each other a long time, so you would try and get out and not just sitting there around, it's, it's difficult isn't it, you know yourself, mm. you, get, you can get depressed very easily if you you're away. You go for like secret walks and Secret walks, you do secret walks, <laughs> yeah, cups of <laughs> coffee, <laughs> there was no coffee back then but whatever we were putting into the drink. You're not, you're, not, you're not making me feel sorry for you, with your no, no, international no. breaks lads, come on. No, come no, on. it wasn't, it wasn't something to be feel sorry for, no I loved it, I did love going away with Ireland, I never shied away from meeting up with the lads it was, it was a great place to be as well we, we always as you said we always have a drink and a sing song and uh, he, he made that quite special as well yeah, I remember hearing Stephen Elliott talk about that they made him go out the night before training he was only making his debut or something he spewed up in training <laughs> the next day like he was wondering how lads are doing and I was like yeah, just, you ever, did you ever get that like I never spewed <laughs> I might have kept it in a few times but, but would, they, would lads literally the yeah. day before training come oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd, as, soon as, we, as soon as we meet up we'd be out <laughs> everyone would be out and we'd train the next day and they'd be yeah it wouldn't be great it wouldn't be great but I think Mick knew but he just he knew that that was part and parcel of uh, being Irish and being together and we needed that camaraderie and it was, it was a good it was, it was, it was very successful though yeah yeah he, he is and he is like he'll always be Mick because he, he's real and that, that's I think that's so important to players I think players see through stuff Quite easily, especially now. So, I think it's been honest and and uh, real. And mix always been that. He's real. definitely one. Just from looking at the he looks like a player's manager because I think even the incident with Kyo, he stood up from yeah, straight away, and yeah. I think that gets a lot of respect for yeah. lads in the dressing room because some managers would throw a player under the bus, and then you mm. just go, "That's it." Like, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think that as you said, that's huge. Like, once you know. He can, and and Mick would go through. Yeah, I remember him going through me uh, for not making a tackle in, in one of the games in the far corner in Lansdowne Road. I never forget it. And I thought I did. I did actually try and make that sort of ricochet off me. But he went through me at half time in front of everyone. I thought, I've let him down there. But I never felt it was going to come out of the dressing room. Yeah. And it didn't. And, and that's just the respect he had. That's. That's what it was about at the time. I thought, oh, fuck, you know, like I've let him down, you know, and yeah. that's 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 something that was uh, that's, that's evident. Because you know? a lot of managers would kind of sneakily drop that in with Tony Dunham after exactly, or yeah, something yeah. like that, you know, whereas uh, McFerrin yeah, no, could, could have done better on the first goal. Never or whatever, did. Yeah. He, he yeah. hammered me in front of everyone, and it wasn't a hammering. It was fucking. You should have nailed him. And I, I was like, I was half wanting to say I, I did try to sort of ricochet, but I didn't. I was obviously. Have you ever seen a lad go back at him like? No, I can't remember. No, no, I can't remember. Anyway, I he does it like every good manager in the right way, the right frame. Like not disrespecting, not calling you 
you're like, yeah. you're this, you're that. It was, no, you should have done this. You didn't, boom, boom. It was hard, firm, at a level pitch that you could, okay, you see. Mm-hmm. And then, well, come out of the dressing room, spoke to the press, and never mentioned my tackle that probably cost us the goal. <laughs> you know? So you take it on the chin then? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, yeah. And you learn from it as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I threw myself into every tackle after that. I wouldn't have done that again. But that's, that, that's, that's, how, that's how he manages, and that's how he... He gets respect of every player. I think I don't think I've ever heard anyone that's played underneath him have a bad word to say about him because that's how he how he treated everyone. Mm. You came back then, played League of Ireland, finished yeah. with Rovers. Was that always an idea when you were going over that I will finish up in Ireland or move no, back to Ireland? No, I never was. No, I never. I loved Rovers as a kid. I followed them um, since I was a baby um, all around the country. So. But I, ne- I never, I never had it in my mind when I was over there. I want to play for hours. I want to do. It. But it, the the longer my career went on, and uh, when I got to, I think it was thirty five when I came home. Thirty four when I came home. I just, yeah, start getting the boot for wanting, mm-hmm. wanting to finish it out, and always want to play for hours because that's the team I supported as a kid. Um, so yeah, amazing. To the, the way to finish really because that, that was where it all started for me and is all your family is your wife Irish yeah, yeah, she yeah. Is, yeah sorry yeah. so it was it was an easier transition to come yeah, home because yeah. I know lads from Ireland in England their wife's English and then they're like well I'm not coming exactly. back here yeah. so it's very difficult so it was always the plan we will go home eventually like um, yeah look, and listen it's it's a tough one because my wife moved over when she was 18 so she'd been away as long as I had, so she was, she was never longing to get back to Dublin, and I wasn't because we we just we were away so long, and you just get used to being mm. uh, a flight away. So it wasn't our plan, but the longer it went on, and as you say, football changes quick. I, I signed for Sheffield Wednesday uh, when I was thirty-four, and the, it was only a year's contract, and it. We didn't want to move from Cardiff to Sheffield, the kids into school, and so they moved back to Dublin. So that that was probably while you were at Sheffield. While I was at Sheffield, how difficult is that? that yeah, that, 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 that that sort of put you the nail. Enjoy it then. Like yeah, that that not. put the nail in the coffin for me. I done it for about six, seven months, where I was travelling um, from Dublin to Sheffield, and yeah, I lost. Kind of like a case yeah. then of just going. I just want to. I'm looking only forward to going home all yeah. the time. It's never actually football then, and then it's just exactly. like football becomes a burden yeah. rather than an actual enjoyment. Exactly, like. and that's how I felt. It was. Uh, I did enjoy playing for that club, but it was just I was knackered. Like I was, I was leaving on a Tuesday. I made a Wednesday off and coming back Wednesday night. I was leaving on a Saturday, traveling. It's just a nightmare, and I was missing the kids. The kids were. Uh, FaceTime and just it's not the same is it so it's uh, uh, that was hard so I quickly made my decision after six seven months that mm. I asked them could, could I go home and they were, they were fine they were great you probably saw that I'd say yeah yeah definitely yeah. you can see I think anyone could yeah. tell that like, yeah you're broken you're broken when you're away from the family and you, you're just Especially not enjoying it like, yeah, it's different yeah. for a young lad yeah. like I still have my career to keep going where yeah. like you said you're at 34 you're like I'm coming to an end is it worth yeah. prolonging something when I'm not enjoying it really exactly like, yeah so that was the decision um, and came home and I met Rovers and yeah I was delighted I had a, 
a couple of years to finish off, which is great. Um, trying to fit back into to living at home for after being so long. Yeah. Did you go from like in England? Would you have been noticed in the street everywhere you went down? No. With Ireland, no. surely it would be different. Would no, it? no, no. I've never, never. No, I wouldn't. I would never. I live in a small town, north side of Dublin. So, in that small town, it's full of farmers. My best mate's a farmer. They don't care too much about overly giving you any praise. So, no, I've never. I've led a normal life. I never, never get stopped. Never. I've never you done that. You didn't grow the beard as a disguise. I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a uh, no. I just uh, settled back in. Within a month or two, I felt like I was never away. All my mates were back. I was going, seeing them every week that I've never, I could never do before. So, I was happy. I was just yeah, I was happy. The kids were back around their cousins. They grew up, they grew up overnight. You don't realise how sheltered they are in England when it's just me and Michelle looking after them and no one else because mm-hmm. we've got no one else. And now all of a sudden they're staying in that nannies and granddads for two nights and you don't see them and they're coming back giving you grief and cursing and, and everything that's real about uh, growing up in, in Ireland so it's a, that was a great decision it's something that uh, we're delighted with Michelle's back working in her old school she's a, in a, an Irish school she's back Irish speaking every day so she's um, she's happy she's she's delighted to be back around her family as well so it's yeah, settled back into it quite quick which is mm. Just lucky, I feel blessed then, really, you know. And no director of football slash coach yeah. at Rovers, and how how are you enjoying that? Yeah, it's different, you know. Like I come to the the end, uh, and I spoke to John and Roach, the chairman. I asked what it, was I going to go another year, and I said no, I'm, I'm goosed here. I'm 37, my legs are gone, and he just said, listen, I think we're we're going to change the the. The football side of things at the club, would you be interested in this role, sporting director? And I said, John, I don't even know what that is. So uh, I said, leave it with me two, three weeks. I went and had a look, studied it, studied it, sort of went and met a few sporting directors that I knew and um, thought, right, yeah, I fancy try it, stay in the game, try and keep fresh, mm. not, not have too much time off. So I had a couple of weeks off and I was straight back into working with Stephen Bradley now, who's head coach, and enjoying it, enjoying being around him and trying to help him as much as possible because that's how I feel they're all should be. It should be just a constant uh, help to him and try and support him as best I can. That's that's brilliant, Maka. Thanks for your no time. Problem. Thank I'm you, really lads. Enjoyed it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.